and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. We've got a great show for you. We're going to talk a little about corn traits and seed treatments on corn. If you've got any questions for us, though, or if there's anything you'd like to talk about that's going on on your farm, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can email us, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. Well, we are live in the Morton studio today, and I think this topic, Darren, is pretty fitting just because we are getting to the time of year where most farmers have either ordered their seed corn or will do so in the next three or four weeks. I think the seed treatment thing is really the number one thing that I have been focused on the last few years because we've just seen enormous gains on our own farm, faster emergence, just better overall plant health. Yes, the corn trait can definitely make a difference too. So, I I mean, really, they're both important topics, Ab- I guess. Absolutely. But I'll give you an example. I was just talking to a corn breeder today, and we were evaluating some trials this year. And one of the one of the hybrids, it's a brand new hybrid that was going to be coming out in 2020 that we looked at, uh, it had a poor stand. And we noticed it in several plots. What? Why on earth does this one have a poor stand everywhere? Well, if it's everywhere, then we know it's something to do with the seed, right? Well, you look at the seed. The seed treatment was not done properly. The coverage on the seed was horrible. And of all years to have that happen, it happened in 2019. And just the seed treatment led to 10% reduction in stand. 10%. I mean, that's huge. And you think about that. Wow, what would untreated seed have looked like? Wow, it probably would have been uh, a lot worse, uh, you know, than to have a seed that's, I don't know, 80% coverage or whatever on the seed. So, yeah, it makes a huge difference. And then you think about, all right, well, if we still lost some stand, what if we added more seed treatments on there? What could we do? And what we saw this year, once again, probably even more than what we've seen in the past due to the year, uh, it was wet and cold and all that. But we saw an even bigger improvement. It was as much as a 20-bushel difference that we saw with seed treatment differences this year on corn. That's huge. That's huge. And for the most part, what are you doing on corn seed treatment? Well, it's coming on the bag. Most guys I talk to say, well, I don't know. I guess it depends on whatever NK put on my seed or it depends on whatever uh, DeKalb or Pioneer or whatever seed brand you're planting, whatever they put on the seed. And, and most farmers don't even know what it is. And that's and one thing. sadly, I, a lot of the seed dealers for those companies no, don't even know they don't. What they is. don't because they don't have the option to change it. You know, and they'll say, well, I can tell you the difference between these five hybrids. Yeah, because you've got the opportunity to change those, but you don't know what the seed treatment is. And it's something that's standard and it's on every bag from that company. So it's something we would challenge you as you're ordering your seed. Talk about that. What, what do you have for seed treatment on here? What does each of those components do for me? And, you know, what do you see for differences? Because... Like you say, last year, it was as much of a 20-bushel difference. Yeah, but here's the thing. I I like how you use the words, as much as a 20-bushel difference. There's also zero. The trouble with seed treatment is it's hit and miss. Now, I can say the same thing with almost anything that you're going to invest in on the farm, whether it is corn traits that we're going to talk about here, too, or fertilizer, herbicide, insecticide, fungicide, literally everything you do, you're going to have some big gains and you're going to have some small gains or nothing. With seed treatment, what we're after here is to protect that seed, number one, from disease. So usually there's a fungicide on there. Most of the seed treatments out there will also have insecticides. We're going to protect from insects. 
Then you start talking about plant health and all the different biologicals that can get put on there. So like on the seed we'll plant on our farm this year, it'll have 33 seed treatments on it, many of which are biologicals or as we call them, natural. Some are basically biostimulants, some are biofungicides, bionematicides. I mean, there are a lot of biological things that can give your plant, give that seed some benefit. And it's not just in helping that seed get out of the ground. This is one of the other things too, especially when we talk about soybeans, because a lot of guys, when it gets late, they'll say, oh, I don't need the treatment. The beans are going to pop right out of the ground. That seed treatment's not going to do me any good. <laughs> well, let's not forget, the seed treatment isn't there just there to protect the seed. It's there to help the young seedling for a month or two. So you're going to get some gain. And it all depends on if you have the factors that will lead you to gain. That's where I'm going with this. If you end up with disease, if you end up with insects, if you end up with any of the conditions that would make the biologicals pop, well, then you might hit the home run. Like Darren said, every once in a while, you do have 20, 30 bushel gains. Absolutely. There's no question about that. But the problem is sometimes you also have zero. In fact, sometimes you might even see a negative just because you're not doing enough statistically to make a difference. So, for example, if you just do one side-by-side -side in your farm, one time, one year, ever, and you only do, let's say, eight rows versus eight rows, the statistical difference would have, yeah, I mean, the, the point is the yield difference would have to be a lot to prove a statistical advantage. Now, the more replications you have, then the smaller that number becomes. So you, then you can truly see, okay, was it actually the seed treatment? You know, if you're going seed treatment versus not, or was it some other environmental factor? The deer ran through it, your, your, the seed row, or you had a problem with the planter in a row or what? I mean, there are all kinds of things that can happen when it's just a little trial. So a lot of times for me personally, I like doing splitting the planter all the way across the field or maybe across multiple fields and then I can really see and it's easy too with the combine and, and the yield monitor and everything but also if you're looking for small yield gains let's say it's a five bushel yield gain will that show up on your yield monitor or the the map that you create with the monitor as a different color in most cases no but a five bushel gain if let's say you invested a dollar or two or even five dollars, well, that's enormous. It's a great return on investment. So I, I would encourage you weigh some of the trials out instead of just looking at uh, just looking at the yield monitor as well. Well, we got a lot to talk about today. We're going to talk about corn traits and also about seed treatments. We'd love to hear from you as well. When you're making your decisions for seed for next year, what are you thinking about? And, and what do you think about each of these components of that decision, the trait and the seed treatment options that are out there on the market today? You can interact with us by giving us a call at 844-44-AG-PHD, sending us an email, radio at agphd.com, or finding us on Twitter, AgPhD Media, Brian Hefty, or Darren Hefty. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. Bean growers continue to see yield loss from white mold across the Midwest this season. To maximize next year's crop, a white mold prevention strategy that includes Contans WG soil fungicide is a must for your farming operation. Applying Contans this fall to reduce the sclerotia in the soil is the most effective way to stop white mold at its source. Start a Contans white mold control strategy this fall or pay for it later in lost yield. 
If you're a rancher who's obsessed with keeping your pastures clear, turn to Graze on Next herbicide. It offers superior broadleaf weed control, so instead of thinking about weeds, you can think about the money you'll save growing more grass and buying less feed. Used early in the season, Graze on Next also provides residual activity that controls newly emerged weed seedlings, giving you season-long control. Start enhancing your land while you protect it. Visit leavetheweedstars.com to learn more about Graze on Next. Always read and follow label directions. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Build with the best. When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton Advantage at every step, starting before the walls even go up. Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, we ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions. And we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better. Built stronger. Lasts longer. Learn more at MortonBuildings.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Our topic is corn traits and seed treatments, and I find it interesting. We get a lot of questions from from non farmers all the time about, you know, what are what are farmers, you know, how are they making these decisions on on uh, what corn they're going to be planting, and when do they make those decisions? And it's a little bit different for each farm, but not always. You know, for a lot of farmers, they're they're looking at this in the fall. They're harvesting. They're kind of making some evaluations. What do we think about this hybrid or that hybrid? And um, that's that's something that's been pretty good, uh, but there's there's a lot that goes into it. So if if you say, well, hybrid A outperformed hybrid B, one of the differences that we're seeing too is what's happening in the furrow and what's happening on the seed. Uh, and we've got Jennifer Riggs with us right now with BSF to to talk about that. Jennifer, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I, I would say of all the companies out there doing work in furrow, BSF was probably leading the way on that one and seed treatments as well. You got a lot going on. So what, what should growers be watching for this year? Well, I think, you know, after the year we just had, I hope that growers are probably uh, hoping for a normal year. That would be nice <laughs> oh, sure. Take the easy answer, Jennifer. <laughs> But with that being said, I think it's really important to make sure, first thing, obviously, is making the right choice for the seed you're going to plant in your area. But beyond that, really understanding what products will help get a really nice uniform plant establishment early in the season, because that's where it all starts, right? The yield at the end of the season starts at the beginning of the season. And we know the inferral products and seed treatments are critical to establishing that foundation, um, especially when we don't have that optimum yield year or that normal year as we uh, don't often have. So I think really in looking for understanding the right choice for seed and then making sure that if it's corn that you're picking the right um, hybrid with the right seed treatment for your particular area, know the history of your fields, insecticides, what insecticides work the best at what rate, what fungicides are necessary, and then as you look at soybeans, 
the same kind of scenario. Have I? Do I have soybean cyst nematode? Do I have um, foliar diseases? Do I have SDS, sudden death syndrome? And making that right choice for the seed you you choose. You know, Jennifer, uh, I've got our, our Ag PhD research lead, Glenn Hers, uh, sitting in, in the studio as well. And Glenn's done a lot of work uh, with, with some of BSS products and other products out there in the industry. And I know, uh, Glenn, one of the things you've commented on is when you seed early, those additional fungicides, and I know uh, the F500 compound that, that BSF had come out with, their headline is what we'd use foliar, but uh, that F500 made a big difference for you, Glenn. What, I guess, what do, what do you think around this, and what do you see? Well, I mean, it certainly has. I mean, the headline's been one of the things. I mean, we, you know, a couple of years back even, we looked at Preaxor um, as an inferro treatment for soybeans. Um, just different types of things, because... We deal with that so much up here with a cold soil and whatnot. Anytime, we don't know how long that so, that soybean seed or that corn seed or whatnot, everything is going, how long that's going to be in the ground. We have to protect that early on. Well, Jennifer, I know this is one of the things you've talked about before on the show too, about just getting multiple modes of action out there with, with products like Preax or Xanthian and, and others. All right. So when you look at... You mentioned F500, and F500 is a product that's both foliar and seed treatment used. In fact, BSF has a new, um, what you would call a combo notion soybean seed treatment that includes F500, uh, metalaxyl, and two other fungicides that we believe you really see a nice emergence really quick under those cool, wet conditions. It actually helps pop that seed up out of the ground a little bit quicker. And then with the multiple modes of action from the other fungicides, you get that protection regardless of what kind of environment you're in, whether it happens to rain then or with the extra rate of metalaxyl that's in there or if you have rhizoctonia or fusarium, making sure that you have that broad spectrum um, and not just one fungicide is really and truly, you know, that great um, insurance that that grower is going to have the best stand establishment he can. You know, I, I remember when uh, foliar fungicides first started getting a lot of attention and and uh, there were so many farmers who weren't doing anything in corn and soybeans with foliar fungicides. Uh, where are we at with seed treatments now? How many growers are still not doing much for seed treatment? And, and then how many growers that are doing something are only doing the bare minimum? Yeah, so I think if you look at corn, I think it really depends on the crop. If you look at corn, there's hardly anybody out there that doesn't have a full seed treatment package, which would include multiple seed applied fungicides and and a seed applied insecticide on there. And depending on there, whether they have a seed applied nematicide to go with that. And that's probably 95% of all corn and maybe even higher than that. I think that's just a choice that growers have learned that it's the right choice to make. When it comes to soybeans, um, I've been around long enough that I've seen a real shift into looking at we're not going to treat soybeans to understanding that the value of a seed treatment is is what the value brings at early planted soybeans. So everybody at the universities, at the seed companies say, plant soybeans as early as you can to optimize yield. And there's lots of research out there that says that works. The problem is when you plant really early, you're in these adverse conditions. And so I think today, I would say in the last 10 years, you've seen a shift of so it's 30% of soybean seed treatments or soybeans getting seed treatments to probably closer to 75 or 80% today because people have learned to recognize that to optimize what their input is into buying seed 
and being able to plant early helps optimize that. So I think that you're seeing that shift today that people become a little compliant that they don't even know. Of course, there's a seed treatment on there because everyone's doing it. But now the question is not if I use a seed treatment, what is which seed treatment am I going to use and how does it differentiate for my particular situation, I think is where we need to get to in the next step. Well, it sure is fun now in the industry with so many new things coming. I know uh, we've been talking with Jennifer Riggs here with BASF. I know you've got a lot of R&D going into this. You get a lot of things in the pipeline, and uh, and we're really excited for the next few years to see what that all entails. Uh, Jennifer, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time, and uh, look forward to talking to you again down the road. All right. Thank you for having me. You bet. Uh, Glenn, you know, this is something I, I know you work with a lot of the, the highest yielding farmers around the world. Uh, and I know everybody's talking about uniform establishment. I, I, I don't know where it starts if it isn't picking the right seed and, and getting a, the best seed treatment you can possibly put on it. Right. Well, I could, I mean, just to what, you know, to echo what Jennifer was saying there, um, we've got a lot of guys that are starting to, you know, latch on to the idea of planting their soybeans early. And, you know, I'm, I'm in the wheelhouse of that. I, I think that's a huge step for, you know, for pushing yield on beans, especially up here where, you know, with the indeterminate bean, we need to get that thing planted early, in my opinion, get ahead of that June 20th um, time frame. Seed treatment is a big part of that. You're certainly not going to go out there with an untreated soybean, um, have that thing sit there as long as it possibly, you know, if we get a cold situation like that where that thing is unprotected and, and still get that yield punch. I, I think the seed treatment piece is uh, a crucial thing in that. Okay, part of our conversation today is corn traits, and I know you're looking at a lot of new things coming. A lot of the new material you're getting from some of these companies, we're seeing more Tricepta out there, yeah. uh, and we're seeing even a few more drought guard hybrids versus just a straight double pearl kind of hybrid. Uh, where do you see those working, and, and what do you like about them? Well, I mean, uh, to your point, Tricepta, I think, guys, you're going to hear this more and more coming forward. Um, it's definitely a line that or a trait that we're looking at quite heavily. Um, the plant health aspect of that thing um, from the hybrids that we've looked at so far has been, you know, phenomenal. Um, the drought guards um, have been out for quite some time. Um, they just, you know, give us that, you know, in our footprint where we're here in the West a lot, you know, the, the things that we see that way, um, it's certainly a, a trait package that we have to have, you know, so th those are awesome to have. Um, the double pros has still been, you know, a predominant trait package that we're seeing, um, you know, and then just the disease packages that come with all of these, uh, Goss's wilt, um, you know, we had a, quite a conversation this morning just about physoderma. Um, I think we're talking a lot about that going Ooh, forward. Yeah, there's there's quite a few things. Now, we're, we're talking about traits and seed treatments today. Glenn mentioned a few of these defensive traits that you also have to be looking at in hybrids. We'll talk about some of those coming up as well. Uh, also, we got some pretty cool guests coming up, and we'd love to hear from you too. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm the fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, able to reduce our fertilizer side, so it's really simplified 
operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic insecticides from Atticus LLC. Unwanted insects are a nuisance, but they're no match for Serpent from Atticus. Serpent delivers economical, fast-acting, broad-spectrum control to help your corn, soybeans, and wheat crops thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. You know a healthy crop is required for your best results. Simply put, balanced crop nutrition pays. AgriLiquid Fertilizers have the research, technology, and products to deliver those results. We also have an outstanding team of field agronomists ready to help you with your fertility decisions. AgriLiquid can help you maximize your yield potential effectively and economically. Visit agriliquid.com to find a dealer near you. Every flood begins with a raindrop. Every drought was once a sunny day. Every plague of insects grew from a couple of eggs and every hurricane from a breeze. Our biggest problems start small, but what if the biggest solutions do too? At Indigo, we're using the natural microbes found on plants that survive droughts to help other plants survive them too. Visit indigoag.com grow to learn more. Indigo, from questions we grow. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Darren Hefty here, along with Ag PhD Research Lead Glenn Hers, who's uh, putting up with me today, hanging out in <laughs> studio. I know he's got lots better things to do than hang with me, but thanks for joining us here, Glenn. Uh, get a friend Chad Henderson on right now down in Alabama. You may uh, recognize Chad's voice from hearing him at the Ag PhD Field Day the last few years. Chad, thanks for joining us. Oh, good. Good to be on today. So we're talking about corn traits and seed treatments, and boy, I don't think you guys leave a stone unturned on your farm. You're always looking for what what can help raise yields, what can bring us a better return on investment. Uh, what are you learning this year? Uh, you know, we just kind of back to the basics on that stuff. You know, we, we love a good seed treatment. Um, anything, you know, to, to help hold off. We You know, we've tried a little different stuff in the past, but we just keep coming back to just a, a normal seed treatment and then and keeping the, keeping the basics you know because you just I can't replace that I just I've tried other things that you can't replace a good with a good start a seed treatment with a good start 
Nope, I agree. I agree, especially when when a guy's going to get planting early. And Glenn, you were mentioning this before. Uh, as we move these planting dates up, it's just a bigger deal. It it really is, especially up here in our environment. I don't know. Uh, ooh, ooh, is he throwing shade at you, Chad? And up up here, yeah, that's yeah, a big yeah, deal. Yeah, Maybe yeah, not for Chad. <laughs> Good I to hear. Good to hear your voice again, Chad. So, <laughs> but no, yeah, it's just. I mean, you know, from being here at the at the field day and whatnot, how huge this is for us because, you know, we're trying we're we're planting in the cold soils all the time. You know, okay. we're trying to get to that fifty to you know fifty five. You, you degree mentioned field. cold soils here, yeah. but I, I'm sure that when when you're putting stuff in, Chad, in Alabama, that it's probably a little colder than you'd like there too. It is. It is. You know, like I said, we've uh, we plant around the first, uh, fifteenth of March. I used to plant a lot of corn the first week of March, and you know, with the things we've learned over the years, you know, we try to hold off a few more days, you know. Uh, but yes, it's still it's still on the cool side. But it just we've got this red dirt down here, you know, where we, we don't have soil, we have dirt. We've got this red dirt, and it just warms really fast. It just you know, we, we, it warms fast. That's what you need to do, Chad. Bring a truckload of red dirt up here so Glenn knows what some. you're dealing I'm with. I'm bringing Glenn a jar full. There we go. <laughs> you know, he's, he's been saying he's going to come see me, but I haven't seen him yet. I ain't yeah. sure he can get across that line. That's right. <laughs> but, no, I mean, it's it's definitely something that we fight. And you guys, you know, you mentioned, too, you guys fight it down there, too. It's like, you know, you see the neighbor going or, you know, the the ground seems fit out there that you should be going. But you look at that soil temp and it's, it's telling you, I need to stay out of the field. You know, that seed treatment can certainly help that, you know, but at the same time, you know, you want to go and plant into a good condition because you can't, you know, we, we've talked about it many times, you you can't make that planter pass, you know, you can't do it a second time or you certainly don't want to. That's that's the freest bushels we've got. That's the free bushels. Doing it right the first time, planter in good shape, good seed treatments, that's the free bushels. And everybody's looking for something else. That it's, it's got to be something else. No, it's not. You know, that's a lot of bushels right there. You know, as you look at this, uh, getting that even emergence and nice stand is really important. And the seed treatment is definitely a, a piece of that. How about the corn traits? Are, are you using smart stacks and rootworm protection? Are you worried about the above ground pests? What What's the toughest to manage where you farm? Uh, that's part of it. Um, the not as much above ground pests. We can control them. We don't have a lot of problems with with that. Uh, rootworm is is not a big issue. We just don't have a lot of problems with that. You know because we're we're on a wheat bean rotation. Um, now when we go in, we definitely pay a lot of attention if we if we get into a corn behind corn deal, sure. which we do that very seldom. But if we do, we pay a whole lot of attention. We'll go with the smart stacks and whatever we can get. To tell you the truth, you know we just want the best one we can get. You know, Glenn was talking about some of the defensive traits that we're looking at in our part of the world, like Goss's wilt tolerance and these things. What are some of the big ones you look at in the South? The defensive traits? Yeah. Is there a certain disease that you're always looking to have good tolerance to, or, or uh, is standability your biggest concern? What What is important in a corn hybrid to you? Well, I'm trying to get them to breed in something on that sprayer blight. <laughs> 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 we can, we can, uh, yes. Just go across the rows, Chad, and then you don't see it quite I, so much. <laughs> I am definitely killing this thing with time. But no, back to that. We we uh we definitely look to that um for this 
for sustainability. We just don't have a lot of disease pressure where I'm located at. We're in, like I said, we're an hour and a half south of Nashville. We're in the northern part. The soil gets good and warm. I just don't have a lot of disease pressure because we've got a lot of cotton around. We've got a lot of things to rotate with, and it's just not the same beans, corn, beans, corn, you know, and things will rotate around more. Uh, we work a lot of our ground up. We have some strip till, some no till, but a lot of our ground is worked up, you know, and um, it's a deep tillage practice that we've been using. So we just we just don't have it. We can take a smart stacks or something, just a, a VYHR or a smart stacks or something, and we usually have pretty good luck with it. You. And to his point there, Darren, too, I mean, just – just for the grower to know that that crop rotation you can't replace that you know so i mean he's not getting that buildup in you know disease pest whatnot right. they're taking care of it you know because of the rotation that they've got right right and then we you know if we, if we have to go corn on corn we'll we'll take an extra pass to try to bury those stalks but even where i had some so let's say this year i played with a few acres of no-till behind corn i didn't see any i didn't see any problems with it i didn't see any any disease different from one you know right across the fence row to the other other crop you know i just we just like i said we're really fortunate in our area that we don't have much problem like that's that. awesome that's awesome okay how about you know how but about, like i said we don't have a big farming area you know like y'all you know it's not, not square miles of it mm-hmm. well, that's different it's different everywhere we're at and around the country mm-hmm. and i i know as as we talk to different folks on our show we we certainly hear some challenges and then also some advantages to farming in different areas. How about the in-furrow then? I guess, is that a big thing for you, putting stuff in furrow, or do you like to put it, things more often a two-by-two two or something like that? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll we're definitely going on a two-by-two, two, definitely. We can see on our farm, we see bushels every year with a two-by-two. Two. Um, it's going to be on our trials. It's going to be anywhere from 7 to 15 bushel, according to the crop, according to the year, according to the start, you know. Uh, it's going to be the, in that range. Now, with our, with our infura, um, we, we'll just go, like I said, we would rather have a really good seed treatment. We'll use a little bit as a carrier, and we'll put some zinc in um, and some things of that nature, maybe humic acid, you know, or things, and, and just put some of that in and touch it with that and use that as a carrier. And we'll only use, do that on irrigated ground. Because our non-irrigated ground, we have a low... Uh, yield on it. I mean, I wouldn't say it's low, you know, but we're we're needing to make money on 130 to 150 bushel crop. And as y'all know, when you go anything in the furrow with a 318 or any kind of fertilizer, it gets expensive in a hurry. Yeah, right. yeah, it sure does. You know, we were talking so, about this earlier today. Just with when you have higher yields, you've got a little more window. You got a little more room to operate where you can try some different right. things. Yeah. That's right. Cause, I mean, if you look at anything that's four to five dollars a gallon, you talking about going three to five gallons. I mean, before we know it, we got twenty dollars an acre shoved in the fur here, sure. and you know, I mean, it just makes a difference on the backside. Uh, so, and 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 Chad, when you say you're in a hundred and thirty to hundred and fifty bushel dry land market or uh, yield environment, is that because of excessive heat? I mean, you're just worried about that drought coming in there that quickly. You can't hold that that's, water. That's exactly right. I mean, if we can, and I mean, we had it this year, Glenn. We could go in and we would run across the hills, and it would be 70, 80 bushel, 100, 110. Right. We run in a bottom, just, you know, in a swag, it'd be 220. I mean, yep. we have that potential. It'll still make really good corn. You know, the, the, most, we've, the most we've made, I guess, to date on that dry environment, we've made 260. We've had farms that average 220, 230 with a 26,000 population or 
something of that nature where we planted it for dry and we got the water, you know, we, we have the fertility in line to do that because we use a lot of chicken litter. So the fertility, the ground's in good shape to do it. You just can't manage that heat. You can't manage it, you know. So if, if we can get it to cool down at night even, we, we you know, it's going to get hot today. We can't do anything about that. But our right. nights is what we've got to get cooled down. And yeah, when we say cool down, we just want it to be in the 80s. Sometimes we're sometimes we're hoping for eighty up here. You know, there's there's a lot of differences. You travel across North America in crop production. One of the guys that does it right is Chad Henderson down in Alabama. Chad, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Good to talk to y'all. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. There's a new authority in town. New Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC combines the best-in-class Group 14 PPO herbicide with the newest Group 15 herbicide for lasting residual control of water hemp, palmer amaranth, kochia, pigweed, and other tough-resistant weeds. This exclusive liquid premix of single-application chemistries protects your soybeans from pre-plant to harvest. It also protects your bottom line. Authority Supreme Herbicide qualifies for the agronomic and economic incentives of the FMC Freedom Pass program. Rule your soybean fields with more authority than ever before with Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC. More powerful preventative control isn't on the horizon, it's here. Visit your FMC retailer or fmccrop.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions, restrictions, and precautions for use. Authority Supreme Herbicide is not registered for sale or use in California. FMC and Authority are trademarks of FMC Corporation or an affiliate. In order to be the best farmer you can be, you've got to have a grain marketing plan. But what do you do when you're too busy out in the fields trying to maximize yield? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Brother Brian and I are always busy learning more about how to make our farm more successful. That's why we use Grain PhD to learn more about grain marketing and to work with our Grain PhD risk expert to create a complete grain marketing strategy. Visit grainphd.com to learn more about a free consultation for your operation. White mold, sudden death syndrome, root rot. If you raise soybeans, it may seem like you have all the cards stacked against you when it comes to disease. But did you know there is a new cost-effective seed treatment which can help prevent all three? Heads Up Seed Treatment offers a new proactive approach for dealing with fungal and bacterial diseases. Compatible with other seed treatments, hedge your bet against disease this spring. Ask your dealer for Heads Up today. To locate a dealer, visit HeadsUpST.com. How much yield did you lose the moment you planted your seed? Introducing the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Designed and built by a farmer tired of seeing yield loss from poor stands, the Germinator gives your crop the strong start it needs for maximum yield. Visit farmshopmfg.com. We started utilizing the dual react system this year. You can adjust your speed and it automatically adjusts your sprayer tips. So you can slow down and you aren't building up huge droplets or you can speed up and you're not throwing a mist that's drifting. Hypro, helping you spray better. A pasture should have two things, grass and cattle. No weeds, no brush. That's why Chaparral Herbicide offers the broadest spectrum weed control available. It controls weeds other products can miss, like buckbrush and Canada thistle. And less weeds and brush in your pastures means more forage, so you spend less on feed. Chaparral also suppresses seed heads, lessening the effects of fescue toxicosis, all while providing season-long residual control. Visit NoWeedsNoBrush.com today and learn more about Chaparral. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. 
Broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Uh, real happy to have AJ Holman with us right now with with Bear. Uh, AJ, how's it going today? Hey, I'm doing well, Darren. How are you? Good, good. We're getting a lot of questions about what's happening with seed treatments, what's new for this year, uh, what worked in 2019. A lot of guys struggled this year getting a good stand just with the horrible conditions we had across so much of the country. Uh, where do you want to start? Uh, well, we can take it there from the top. So, um, understandably, 2019 uh, is a year that a lot of folks want to forget altogether. Uh, to your point, a lot of guys had a tough time uh, establishing a really good stand due to the conditions that Mother Nature really threw our way. Now, uh, it's still yet to be determined exactly what Mother Nature is going to throw our way in 2020, but whatever that is, whether it's cool and wet, whether it's hot and dry, it's good to have a seed treatment solution to really help protect that really large investment that is corn seed nowadays. So um, the Acceleron portfolio, whether you're looking at you know your fungicides and insecticides, we've got you covered. But also from a biological standpoint and the maticides, there are additional options that corn producers can utilize to, again, really maximize their, uh, their, 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 their production here this season. All right, AJ, you mentioned the biological component. I've got our Ag PhD research lead, Glenn Hers, in the studio with us today. And I know Glenn spends a lot of time doing trial work with some of these biologicals, and some of them look pretty promising. Uh, what are what are some of the options growers should be looking at in terms of uh, biological-type add-ons this year? Well, we're really excited about the future of biologicals. I mean, farmers have been using them for a number of years in soybeans, but they're really becoming more and more popular on corn. Uh, one product that we've had in our portfolio for a number of years that I believe you guys utilize on your own farm is Quick Roots. Um, we've really seen some great results with Quick Roots over the past couple of years. It's a product that's been in the market for you know over a decade now. But one of the newer biologicals that we're really excited within our Acceleron portfolio is our uh, BioRise corn offering. And what that is is an LCO or a lipokytolagosaccharide. And what that's designed to do is stimulate the mycorrhizal colonization in the soil. And these mycorrhizae, what they'll do is uh, they form a, a symbiotic relationship with your corn's roots. So they'll essentially grab onto these corn roots and they will um, give off sugars, or excuse me, they'll receive sugars and nutrients from the the corn's roots, but in return, they'll actually give off moisture and nutrients. So I know I spoke a lot right there, but essentially at the end of the day, what we're doing with this uh, LCO in our BioRise corn offering is increasing the functional root mass of that plant. So again, it can really grab on to more nutrients, more moisture. We've really seen this product thrive, especially in maybe some uh, tougher growing conditions where it gets a little bit drier. And uh, that corn plant is really just uh, doing everything it can to, to try to get a drink. You know, we've got a lot of prevent plant acres in 2019, and growers are coming off of those, and it sounds to me like something that uh, could help in those situations too. Yeah, absolutely. With uh, fallow syndrome, we'll see a lot of that this year in 2020. And again, having this this biological to help stimulate the mycorrhizae, that can be a great tool in avoiding fallow syndrome altogether. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of challenges. Uh, like you say, we're ready to forget 2019, but we kind of got to remember it a little bit. Remember what happened in some of these fields to to make really good choices, to protect ourselves. Like you, you just mentioned what a difference some of these products make. And, and I know there are a lot of good hybrids out there, but if we can't keep uh, insects and nematodes and diseases off those roots of the young plants, it's tough to get a good stand going. 
Uh, undoubtedly, it's about telling the entire story. And I know, you know, seed selection for for corn growers can be probably one of the toughest decisions that they make on a regular basis. You know, we get so focused on talking traits and different disease ratings and other characteristics with with corn altogether, it can be easy at times to overlook the seed treatment and really, uh, again, protecting that seed in its early development helping it thrive and get off to as good a start as possible. Yeah, I just always worry when I talk to farmers that are really concerned about costs and all they want to talk about is the cost of this and the cost of that rather than what the return is going to be on each investment. And I know seed treatment is one that we strongly encourage growers in 2019 and we'll be saying the same message in 2020. If you're going to cut some costs, there's a lot of places where you can. Seed treatment is probably not a good one because if you don't get a good stand going, AJ, there's really no recovery is there once those plants start off slow and and sick no you're absolutely right i mean in order to maximize our yield at the end of the day we've got to start strong start strong as best we possibly can and to everything you've just mentioned there darren having a strong seed treatment can help us ensure that we get off to as best a start as possible that we're at the end of the day we're putting as much grain into the bin as we possibly can and that's what pays the bills i've been talking with aj holman with bear aj thank you so much really appreciate having you on Great. Thanks, Darren. You know, Glenn, uh, AJ brings up a lot of good points there. And some of these uh, biological products that are out there, I know you've been trying a lot of the the microbial products, like you mentioned. Uh, what are some of the things that you're seeing? What are you, what are you noticing on plants? And if growers are trying these at home, uh, what should they be watching for? Well, I think, I mean, AJ makes a lot of good points there. I think that that mycorrhizal piece, um, if we can get that you know, off and get that thing starting to colonize and, and whatnot, you know, onto that plant. That's always been very good. Uh, we've worked a lot with, the, you know, different types of bacterias. Uh, we're, we're, we focus a lot on seeing if we can't solubilize some of those nutrients that possibly are tied up. Um, we've got such high pH levels up here for the most part. And, you know, there's other ways that we can fix and, and try and lower that pH and, you know, drainage, whatnot, all of the things that go along with that. But if we could help solubilize nutrients with the, some of these biologicals and bacteria strains, that's been one thing. Um, we've looked at a couple of different fungal types of things, um, j- different fungi, um, trying to protect that plant a little bit. Some of the things, you know, that come with that. Um, just, you know, that's that's been the, the main focus that we've had. You know, the other thing I know you've talked about, uh, different fungicides that, that you've worked with, ethoboxum being one of them, yeah. where where do you see that one being a benefit? I think, you know, that early cold timing, um, it, it's been, ethoboxum's been huge for us that way. I mean, we see some positive, you know, that early emergence, um, uh, helping that plant, you know, even in a colder soil temperature or that seedling get off to a good start. Um, I know Chad talked before too a little bit about that early emergence or even emergence that stand everything that comes with that. Um, you got to keep that plant healthy, keep that thing going. Ethoboxin's been doing that for us. Well, I remember uh, speaking about soybeans specifically. I remember back in the day where farmers saved their own seed and and clean seed out of the bin. And my dad's strategy was, well, I'll just put a few more seeds out there. And now seed is is a pretty big investment for farmers on on the farm. And rather than planting such high populations on corn or on soybeans, having a great seed treatment can make a difference because if we can get 99% of our right. stand up rather than, oh, I'm going to lose 10%, so I need to increase my planting rate, uh, that, that makes a big difference. Right. Well, we, you know, we've seen it, and I think it's part of the way 
Um, a lot of the breeding's been going, especially on soybeans now. Um, we're getting a lot of more lateral branching. You know, so it's like maybe I don't want that high a population out there. So if I can save a few dollars that way and then still put that seed treatment on there to get every one of those bean plants up and growing and have a very vibrant, you know, strong early seed um, on the soybean end of things and then give that thing the space to branch out and whatnot. We've seen actually where some of the lower populations at times can, um, you know, can be a, a benefit, you know, from a yield standpoint. Especially the if they're healthy and they're even. Absolutely. But th- the problem is, is if we don't get them out of the ground, we're going to lose all that advantage. You know, so I think along with, you know, we talked about planting into a good soil bed, you know, seed bed, whatnot, and then having that seed treatment on there, a good treatment that's going to get all of them up at the same time, um, that ends up being bushels. So if I can save myself a few dollars on the seed end by putting on a good treatment, getting them planted correctly, I, you know, I, you know, I don't like to paraphrase guys, but I mean, I go back to Dowdy and a lot of the conversations he and I have had. If I can get that box checked early, that's I, I'm off oh, to yeah. a lot. I've got a lot more of an advantage. Yeah, let's put it that way. He's absolutely said that on this show multiple times too. Of uh, you got to make sure you've got that nice even stand, and the best way to do it is by using a good quality seat treatment. Absolutely. Talk a little more about this topic and take some of your questions coming up right after this. We know balanced crop nutrition pays. AgriLiquid has the research, technology, and products you need to grow a great crop. Plus the expertise to give you a recommendation based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. AgriLiquid has the phosphorus, potassium, and micronutrient products necessary to deliver the best results from a solid fertility program. Visit agroliquid.com to find a dealer near you. Worried about glyphosate-resistant weeds and grasses in your corn? Unleash the power of new Impact-Z herbicide and get the early post-application advantage you've been waiting for. Save $3 per acre when you combine Impact-Z with a qualifying insecticide purchase. Go to buy2save3.com for details. Buy2save3 is a service mark and Impact-Z is a trademark owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact-Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. How do you know when to run your grain bin fans? There's an app for that. With the Steps GMS app, you can manually turn your fans on and off from your smartphone. You can also configure the Steps GMS app to automatically turn fans on when the humidity or temperature is ideal to keep your grain in top quality condition. Save yourself some time and take the guesswork out of managing your stored grain with the Steps GMS app. Contact us at stepsgms.com for more information. As your corn crop grows and the ear begins to form, potassium is at a high demand, almost as high as nitrogen. The same is true for soybeans with similar high demands of potassium during pod fill. Don't fall behind and ensure your crop is getting its potassium with Catalyst. Catalyst by Actigrow has been shown to be the best at entering the leaf when compared to other leading potassium products. Visit k-supercharged.com for more information. 
When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, the system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. Featuring Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology to manage tough-to-control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field-proven performance of Roundup ready-to-extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio. Again, Darren Hefty here with Glenn Hers. And Glenn, uh, we've been talking about the seed treatment thing quite a bit. Uh, and our topic today was corn traits and seed treatments. And I don't think we did the corn traits justice yet. Uh, I want to talk about a couple things. Number one, smart stacks. Uh, where do you see that being a benefit? Uh, and do you notice some differences there versus other versions of the same hybrid cross? Uh, and then also conventional corn. We get a lot of conventional corn questions. So uh, maybe let's start there. If you're going to be raising conventional corn, what are some of the must-haves that you've seen that, that you just got to do right to make that successful? Well, the insect protection becomes, you know, number one. Um, so make sure we're getting that insecticide out there. What, whatever way you have, you know, be it inferral, you know, T-banding, whatever the guys are doing. Um, I still like that. And then, you know, just from the trait package, you know, everything that comes along that, that hybrid has to have the ability to, you know, to stand, you know, so I think that's part of it. Um, some of these conventionals, I mean, I'm, I mean, yield wise, they're, they're as good as a lot lot of the the hybrids that are traded. Absolutely. There's some good hybrids in all trait packages, including conventional. Right. Right. On the smart stack side of it, you know, I mean, we really see the smart stack um, conversion really take over in a corn on corn situation. Um, some some hybrids have a very good conversion. Um, there's a lot of them, even in the in the rotated acre, the smart stack is doing um, right with the double pros. Um, we see that a lot. Um, so I think it's more hybrid specific. Yeah, and they're see not, what they're that not conversion all, they're not all created equal. Yep. Just like everything else. It's yep. just, oh, it says smart stacks, so that means it should be awesome. Not necessarily. Right. Yep. And then, you know, you t- the conventional end of things, I think the insect pressure is probably, you know, the one that we worry about the most. Um, you know, but you, there just isn't as much data out there, you know, or trial work being done on the conventional anymore because a lot of the companies – are using the traded packages because it's, you know, it's a lot of what's out there. Yeah. Well, you think about it. If you go, um, 
Uh, well, a couple comments here. First of all, if you go conventional and you don't have the ability to spare Roundup or Liberty, all of a sudden grass becomes, uh, I mean, uh, insects, yes, I'll give you that. Insects are certainly a, a top priority. And so is grass control. Mm-hmm. And we talk a lot about just using a full rate of uh, Harness, Surpass, Outlook, Dual, those types of products, a Group 15 grass herbicide. Using a full rate to one of those on a conventional corn hybrid, Unless you've got a problem grass, like in the north field sandbur gets to be one of them, or if you have a perennial grass, yeah, then then you're going to have trouble. But if you're just dealing with foxtails, you can do a pretty good job by by planting early, getting getting good weed control by putting that group 15 out and getting it activated with some moisture. Boy, you might just make it to canopy without having to respray for grass. And if you can, then then you avoid having to spray accent, which is generally kind of expensive and not the greatest product under the world. I mean, if that's your only choice, you can definitely make it work. But you got to be out there timely. You got to be out there with inch tall grass to make that work. Um, when I think about smart stacks, though, to me, I look at what is your alternative. If you're in a continuous corn situation, for example, or if you just know, hey, there's a lot of rootworm pressure in my area. Like where we farm, we just know there's enough corn raised around us. We know the rootworm pressure will be there. So, all right, what's my alternative? Well, I could use insecticide in furrow or T-band or however, like Glenn was talking about. And I agree, that's that's not bad. Uh, but SmartSec's better. It's just better on corn rootworm control. The other thing that we get questioned, though, is, well, what about if I run a 1250 rate of poncho? You can do that. Uh, it's it's not cheap, so it's not like you're going to save a whole right. bunch of money doing that. And the other thing, I know we used to see some plantability issues from time to time. I know they've improved those seed treatments, so it's it's not like the first generation of products was. But that's something, too, when you add a whole bunch of stuff to the seed. I remember when imidacloprid became an off-patent product. And I remember there were guys trying to put imidacloprid on seed, and they were actually hurting germ because their their treatment methods were rudimentary at best. And uh, they weren't quite doing things the right way, and they didn't get an even rate applied on the seed. And they actually hurt germination. So to me, it's like uh, there's only so far we can push on some of these active ingredients that if we get them too strong on there, it could potentially be a negative. So to me, I love the smart sex for that reason if I need it. If I don't need it, then I want to use what I do need. And if that's just, hey, I only need above ground protection because corn borers have been historically a problem. Or like uh, with the Tricepta trait, maybe I've got western bean cutworm or maybe I've got earworm. That's an issue. I'd say pick those traits that help you and give you some time in your in your season. So it's not just a constant, I got to go spray like every other day to stay ahead of these pests. If you get a trait that works, use it. Just pick the right hybrid in that trait. So lots of stuff there to think about with corn traits and seed treatments as you're making your seed decision or as you're finalizing your decision. Maybe you've already paid. You said, yeah, I already ordered all my seed and uh, I don't even know what the seed treatment is on it. Great. Follow up. We got a long time till you're planting. Ask your seed dealer, hey, uh, did I make the right choice in these hybrids? Should we tweak it a little bit? Did you see anything in some of the late yield data that came in that would sway you to say this this or that option would be a little better for me? And then also what's on the seed treatment and what are my choices? Are there some other things? Maybe I have to pay a little bit more to, to get one of these other options. I know we had a few different guests on talking about some microbial products and other things that are going on. That's fine. If they work and you see some data that, that gets you excited about it, or if you're just curious – 
do it. But also make sure that you've got an untreated check so you know exactly what you're getting out of the seed treatment. That's going to be uh, a big deal. All right, uh, get a number of questions in for the Ag PhD mailbag. Let's jump into that. It's the mailbag. All right, Glenn, you're going to love this one. First one comes from Guy, and he said, I operate a small macadamia nut farm in Hawaii. <laughs> What's discussed on your show is so very different from what I do, but I never miss an episode. It's fun to watch, fun to listen to, and I learn a lot of things with a lot of adaptations that can be helpful. Hey, Guy, thanks a lot. Uh, I, I just wanted to give you an offer. Glenn and I are both really interested in macadamia nut farming. Okay, let's be honest. We're mostly interested in Hawaii. Right. Uh, so I, we'd I love to come I'm visit. not a macadamia nut guy, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, oh, if, I love macadamia need, nuts. They're if, awesome. Well, if he needs some some <laughs> some advice or, or something down, you know, that he needs someone to you know come down and check the thing out, I'm more than willing. Yeah, I don't think your wife would let you leave there very quickly no, either, Glenn. I think no. I think she might suggest staying for a while. Uh, yeah, no, that's awesome, guy, and I really appreciate the comment. In all seriousness, uh, I, I agree with you with a lot of different types of farming. It's different than what we're doing with corn and soybeans in the Midwest. But when we talk about all these nutrients and some of the different microbes that are being used, many of these things are being done in other crops first, in higher dollar crops, like macadamia nuts. You you probably are five years ahead of some of the stuff that we're doing, which is awesome, and, and we can learn from you too. So really appreciate the feedback. And if you have any thoughts about some of the topics that we're discussing and say, hey, we do things a little bit different, Boy, we would love to hear from you. I really appreciate that, guy. Uh, get another one here. This one is a neat one, Glenn. Uh, it, it came from uh, Tim in Illinois, and he did a population study. And I gave you a copy of this, too, on soybeans. I think this is quite interesting. So it was done this year. It was done with a group three, a couple of group three soybeans. Yep. And uh, they had a few different things going on, but they had one farm that, that averaged over 90 bushel soybeans, which, oh, I'm sorry, yep. averaged over 60, 65, 65 to 70 bushel soybeans. Yep. They had another one that averaged in the low 60s. Uh, in the low 60s one, uh, the, the winning population for highest yield was 120,000. But right next to it, they planted 60,000, and they were only a bushel and a half off. Well, if you can cut your seed cost in half and only give up a bushel and a half, that's a pretty good return on investment. And you look at another rep that they did uh, in the other side where they were 65 or 70 bushel, the, the yield winner was 69 bushel. And second, well, I shouldn't say second, it was last place. But it was half the population that gave up not quite five bushels. Well, in that case, if you're giving up almost five bushels times... $9 soybeans, for example, it's 45 bucks. You're better off planting the higher population. Right. So sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it's I really applaud you for, for doing the extra work. That's, that's fantastic. And that's the way that you learn. Everybody should be doing some work like this to see where, where the best population's at. And then along those lines, rather than just looking at yield, I think it'd also be neat to take some pictures, look at, hey, what did we see for weed pressure out there? You know, what other things happen, disease pressure that kind of tell the full story. Hey, thanks a lot. Really appreciate you sending that in. And thanks to you for listening today to our show. Please be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. And now stay tuned for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio. 